Good morning. Yes, for the benefit of the broadcast, um, I'm Christopher Hicken, one of the readers and the preachers here at Christ Church Perth. I'll start with a prayer. Father, thank you for this day and for your word. And we pray that you will help us to understand and follow you. In Jesus' name, Amen. We've been hearing about Abraham and his son Isaac. Even after years of reading the Bible, this story still scares me. Why did the Lord put Abraham to so severe a test? And why did Abraham simply accept it? The Bible even emphasizes the drama and the poignancy. Father, we have the fire and the wood, but what about the lamb? God himself will provide a lamb, my son. We must remember that the law has not yet been given. There's no record of Abraham hearing anything about the Lord God until he was 75 years old, when Abraham called him to move on from Haran, where he had been staying since leaving the sophisticated city in which he had grown up. Abraham has no tradition or detailed guidance about serving this God. We know from the Bible that child sacrifice was not uncommon in the ancient Middle East. Abraham, not having the guidance of the law, but wholly committed to following God, may have been dreading the day when such a command might come to him. Abraham does not have the law, but by now he has some experience of serving God. He has made significant mistakes and learned that to attempt to solve problems on his own without seeking God's help can have damaging and hurtful consequences. Nor is he afraid to challenge God. When the Lord told him that Sodom was to be destroyed, Abraham challenged God to consider mercy. And the Lord agreed that if there were as few as ten righteous persons to be found in the city, it would be spared. But now, Abraham knows God's voice. There can be no mistake. The dreaded command has come. And even though God has told him that Isaac is the hope for the future, God must have his reasons for what he is asking. Even Isaac seems to have accepted what they both believed had to be done. But at the very last moment comes the urgent command, stop, don't touch the lad. Abraham turns and finds that his words to his son have become a fulfilled prophecy. God has provided a lamb. By his obedience, Abraham has entered a new relationship with God. He has been delivered from the threat and horror of child sacrifice. He has offered up Isaac to the Lord, but Isaac has not been killed, but redeemed. This is the dedication that God has been seeking from both father and son. So when years later the law is given to Moses, we find provisions for redeeming the firstborn son. And St. Luke tells us, that Mary and Joseph did this for Jesus at his birth. The law also gives us, in no uncertain terms, 
an absolute prohibition of child sacrifice. The penalty is death, even for those who condone child sacrifice. This gives us a pretty clear idea of how God feels about child abuse. But now, back to Abraham and Isaac and their new redeemed relationship with God, which needs examining. Essentially, it's quite simple. Sacrifice has become a dead end because the more you give to God, the more you think you have to give, and there's no end to it. The prophet Micah sets us right about this in chapter 6. With what shall I come before the Lord and how and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly and to act love mercy and to walk humbly with your God? So it's simple to act justly, to love mercy and walk humbly with God. <coughs> but if God has redeemed us, now redemption means buying back and we still talk of this today. If you pawn something of value because you're unlucky enough to be in urgent need of cash, you can, if you wish, return and pay back the money with some interest and redeem the precious article you pawned. This is the news. God has redeemed us. But what a price, of which more shortly. This was what the Lord wanted to teach Abraham and Isaac. I don't want you slaughtering things for me. I want your trust and obedience, and then I can make something of your lives. So God has redeemed us. We have set out on this path of faith, radical trust and obedience, pioneered by Abraham. God's rights over our lives are absolute because he has bought us not only that, but his love for us means that his purposes for our lives are the absolute best for us. This does give him the right to make some quite extreme demands of us when necessary. We will never sacrifice our children. But if they inherit our faith, we may have to watch them wander off into unsafe places because they believe they are answering God's call on their lives. I did this myself, and so did my father before me. That's a story for another time. So St. Paul says we are to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, because as St. Paul also says, God is at work in all this for our good. So yes, it's simple, do justly, love mercy, walk humbly. Well, that alone is enough for a lifetime. But it's also an adventure, which means it can get scary. 
His demands on our lives are absolute, as is his commitment to our eternal good. He has redeemed us, and we are his. God himself will provide a lamb, said Abraham, and that is what God has done. In St. John's Gospel, John the Baptist hails Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It was to lead us to this and away from the slavery of sacrifice that God allowed Abraham to offer a ram to redeem his son. In our services at 11 o'clock, we have been looking at I am sayings in the Bible, and it occurred to me to wonder why, when John the Baptist hailed him as the Lamb of God, Jesus himself never said, I am the Lamb of God. Today is, I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So Jesus is indeed the lamb, the offering for the sins of the world. But no one is slaughtering him, he is offering himself freely. No other sacrifice is needed. Through him, God acts to redeem the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We have only to believe in him and walk humbly to start on our journey of everlasting life. We give him our lives, dumping all our sin and failure, and receive in return our lives as they truly be. His service is perfect freedom. Abraham, the pioneer of the life of faith, as St. Paul so rightly insisted, redeemed by his faith, his trust in God, redeeming his son Isaac, foreshadowing the coming of Jesus, the Lamb of God, who has redeemed the whole world and set each one of us on the path of faith pioneered by Abraham. Aside from John the Baptist in St. John's Gospel, the New Testament does not mention the Lamb of God again until we get to the book of Revelation where Jesus is the Lamb, the Lamb who was slain, the Lamb who has triumphed over sin and death, forms such a striking image that it echoes through our songs and supremely, of course, in Handel's Messiah. Worthy is the Lamb who has redeemed us by his blood. As you may know, the answering chorus of Amen goes on for a good five minutes or more. And so, blessing and honour, Glory and power be unto him that sits on the throne and unto the Lamb, for ever and ever. Amen. Amen. Amen.